Radical, episode 209. Welcome, ladies and gents. I'm Shane Hazel. I'm your host. Thank you guys for being here. All the the, the long haulers, uh, everybody in between, and everybody that's coming in new. Uh, man, you guys are all welcome here. I don't care where you're coming from. I'm just glad you are here. We are working on a laser-focused mission now, and I got to tell you, I mean, I, I, I think I was wrestling for a while, and um, you know, started to pour right into this. It's just... You do what you do when you do podcasts, and and that's I think probably the beauty of them. Um, as you guys can tell, it's been you know kind of a bit of a, a roller coaster for me in terms of you know how I'm feeling with surgery and everything else, and how I feel like the uh, you know the, I guess the libertarians are are doing in terms of getting people into office and their success and uh, mission. Honestly, uh, the the infighting and all that shit, I just. I'm done, and so it's like uh, I needed uh, I needed to be able to focus, and uh, I got to tell you, you know this this Bitcoin space is giving me a lot of focus, and it's with it, it's just giving me some excitement back, some joy. Um, you know the great Ron Paul, who we're gonna go back into today. This is uh, Ron Paul's Revenge Part Two. Um, always said, you know, if you're not having fun, you do something different. Uh, life is way too short, guys. And so for me, this is fun. Uh, this is this is a, a really it's a good time, and I, I I want that for you guys. I wanted I want to be able to share that with you guys. So that's what I'm going to do. It is uh, early on uh, Friday, and it is the April fifteenth, fucking tax day uh, of of all things. And uh, why not be covering you know the the revolution and Ron Paul and. Um, oh man, golly, I created some shirts, uh, to, to merge these worlds, uh, the, the Bitcoin revolution or revolution Bitcoin. I don't know. I don't care which one it is. Uh, but to take these worlds and start to put the bridge between them in from, for my audience and everything, man, it is going to be, um, it's going to be a lot of fun, but there's some merch up with this kind of stuff. If you guys are interested, um, it is on the website. You can go to radicalpod.com or you can go to shanehazel.com. Whatever's easiest for you. But uh, there's uh, there's some cool new gear up there. Uh, it's all part of the uh, the Governor series. And uh, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, if you guys wanted signs and stickers and all that kind of stuff, t-shirts are kind of my favorite thing. I don't like the signs. And I'm going to get to the stickers. I just want them to be really awesome stickers that... Um, that are kind of identifiable, you know, like really identifiable, like, whoa, what's that? And um, that's really cool. Like, we need to start looking in a different place for some of our solutions. So uh, to catch you guys up uh, this week, uh, I've, I wanted to get you that makeup show. I don't know. Maybe I'll get it to you guys later today. But um, right now, um, you know, just kind of been – I've been busy. I mean, super, super busy. Uh, with with life and, and things in general, so um, like I said, I will try to get you guys that makeup show. I still owe it to you. I haven't forgotten. I remind myself on every show. Uh, so thank you guys for for bearing with me on that. But yeah, tax day. Let's talk about uh, Ron Paul again and where we're going with uh, with Bitcoin, not crypto. Uh, obviously, they're not the same. Uh, I had a had an appearance on Cafe Bitcoin. Uh, it's the Swan. Uh, Bitcoin uh, podcast and boy I'll tell you uh, thank you Alex thank you Corey thank you Jacob uh, all the guys that put on the show the guys that work over there I really appreciate you guys and uh, for having me over and the warm warm response from everybody out there um, if you are here for maybe the first time having to listen to Radical you guys are awesome I mean there's a lot of shows for you guys to catch up on Radical uh, before this the uh, the rebellion was, uh, the, you know, the podcast. Like I said, if you guys are here to do your homework, go, 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 go. There's lots and lots and lots of shows for you. So uh, I hope you have fun with that. But today we are back on uh, this this hit piece by uh, Politico on Ron Paul's Ron Paul's Revenge Part Two. We left off um, coming into libertarianism by another name. So. Um, this series is uh it's gotten the attention of i think a lot of well first and foremost ron paulers and then um just a lot of people in the the mises caucus to begin with and you know why not you know like ron paul was the guy that told you 
uh, shit was coming for 50 years and nobody listened and he just keeps showing up and he keeps showing up and he's still nice and cordial. Um, you know, if, if I'm an old man in my nineties and I've been telling you guys, Hey, Bitcoin, it's still there, you know, like Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm not going to probably be as, as nice as Ron, but, um, I guess that's because he's, he's a damn good man. So at any rate, let's get a sip of coffee and let's get into this thing again. Had so many of you guys were like, no, not a cliffhanger. That might've been the first cliffhanger guys in, in 200 shows. You like them, you don't like them. Um, I think, I think you secretly like them. I think it secretly gives you something to kind of build on and, uh, and go to the next show on. So I understand why they do it in places like, um, you know, Netflix and things like that, where, you know, they'll leave you on a cliffhanger and bring you back. So at any rate, let's go. Um, Libertarianism by another name is the the subtitle on, on this part of it, and we'll, we'll get into it. Hoskinson, a computer programmer, took a more direct approach to advancing cryptocurrencies after the money bombs and the Ron Paul blimp failed to bring about political revolution. Hoskinson grew disillusioned with Paul's movement and the prospects of anti-government activism more generally. Quote, libertarianism has always had a check, has had a check can't cash, he said. Just because we distrust the government doesn't mean we don't need a governing structure. Um, I'm going to maybe disagree with him a little bit on this. Um, a governing structure, uh, boy, that's it's vague. Um, should I give him the benefit of the doubt? Uh, I don't think we need governing structures uh, outside of consent. How about that? Um, but let's continue. When he came upon Bitcoin, Huskin saw a technology solution to this ideological dilemma. By 2013, he was devoting himself full-time to cryptocurrency. Soon, he co-founded Ethereum, now the world's second-largest cryptocurrency network after Bitcoin. Following clashes with the co-founders, Hutchinson's left Ethereum and co-founded Cardano, currently the eighth-largest cryptocurrency network by value, according to the CoinMarketCap.com. As of 2018, Forbes estimated that he had amassed roughly half a billion dollars worth of crypto wealth. With their political prospects remaining bleak, Paul's supporters had to take solace in amassing such riches. Listen, um, I'm going to tell you guys, I don't mess with the other coins. You know, the the shitcoinery realm that's not Bitcoin. And there's a lot of reasons, but, you know, one of the, the greatest reasons to explain to people is, you know, in terms of computing power alone, the hash rate and the energy that goes into that hash rate for Bitcoin in terms of solving the 10-minute blocks is one of those things that I don't think anybody else is going to overcome. I don't think anybody else is going to be able to produce the, um, the mining, the amount of mining power that you need uh, to, to overtake Bitcoin, you know, that's the thing is, you know, sometimes, you know, first of the game wins the game just because they kind of said, and it's like, it's almost a derivative, like most anything that came after uh, Catholicism is a derivative of Catholicism in the Christianic cultures, right? Like it, this is kind of the same thing. You're just looking at, um, you know, they had, there was an idea. Some people thought that they could do better. Some people are corrupt and, you know, are, are literally out to just take people's money um and with billions in cardano or ethereum and whatever like ethereum is kind of sticking around but i don't think it's ever going to compete with um bitcoin so to speak when people really understand bitcoin so just just my advice uh if you're in the shit coinery um be very very careful no you better know what you're doing because you're you could lose your ass um eventually you know whatever you put into bitcoin and I'm going to tell you right now, like it's deflationary. It's got the hash power and it's, it's here to stay. I mean, literally it's, it's going to be, there's, there's, I don't know. It's inevitable from what I can see. Uh, let's see. After Paul's third presidential run flamed out, hopes of a libertarian tide shift in American politics came to arrest uh, with his son, Rand, who inherited much of his movement. The Kentucky senator offered a more mainstream strain of libertarianism, but his 2016 presidential campaign, like dozens of others, was wiped away by the Trump tidal wave. I'm going to pause. Um, Rand and I are obviously acquaintances. He was on the show 
back when I was running for senator. Rand is not Ron, um, and he is not a libertarian. Rand is most definitely a Republican. And while he may be a better Republican, he is definitely a Republican. And um, I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're not synonymous. We are not the same thing. A lot of people who are coming to this space, Shane, why? Well, here's the thing. We, as libertarians, do not support the monopolization of force and coercion against people. And uh, the Republicans most definitely do. And, you know, Rand's part of that crowd. I hate to say it. He's part of it. And, and you know, is he a, maybe a less uh, less evil, less bad part of it? Sure. But uh, he is not the guy that says we need to end the drug war completely. He's not the guy uh, that I've heard say that we need to, to end our overseas, you know, foreign policy completely. You know, he, I don't, I don't know that I've really heard him talk about Yemen. Maybe he has, and if he has, you know, I apologize, but like things like that, um, those are, are two huge major things, uh, civil asset forfeiture and, uh, going out of, you know, he has been pretty outspoken obviously against Fauci and I will give him that, you know, like the guy battled Fauci, but to just to wrap it all up, like he's not Ron Paul, um, you know, economically, especially. So i I digress back to the article. With libertarians in the political wilderness of the Trump era, cryptocurrency began to take off around the world. Following the initial co cohort of libertarian cypherpunks, the technology came to be embraced by criminals, then maverick investors, and then financial institutions. Criminals. Um, this is FUD. And you guys remember just last week when I was talking about this, I, I covered a, a piece out of Bitcoin Magazine. Um, criminality in cryptocurrency is far less than the criminality involved in fiat. In fact, um, it was uh, studied by the U.S. Treasury, and they determined that it was absolutely negligible, negligible for, for criminals. And so for somebody in this magazine to say it was first embraced by criminals, no, no. Crypto is a terrible place to do really bad things or crime because guess what every transaction is on a ledger that's the thing is every transaction is on a ledger now if you want to take your time and you have the knowledge and the technical skills yeah you can absolutely not be a person associated with a wallet however if you're not one of those people and you just live a good life and you just transact there's probably a, a a fairly solid chance that if you're going through any type of mainstream um, exchange, then they're going to at least know who that wallet belongs to initially. And obviously they can start to see the ledger after that, where it goes. I'm not saying that it's definite that they can prove where it's going um, and they can't take your keys. So, I don't know this this whole thing about criminals, um, you know, using Bitcoin instead of dirty ass cash and, and fiat. Who knows? I it's not true. It's it, it's a lie. It's fud. Mavericks, um, maybe investors, yes, and um, financial institu financial institutions. Yeah, I mean it's it's blown up. Spanos got an up close glimpse of the technology's arrival on the world stage thanks to the surprise detour on a December 2017 trip to Caracas. He had been invited to the country by a young Venezuelan programmer, uh, Gabriel Yamines, who wanted to use cryptocurrency to address the country's spiraling hyperinflation. Huh. Wow. Um, kind of like here in the U.S., you know, where it's only 8.5%. And I say only 8.5% because uh, it's probably up around, I don't know, about 30% these days. I mean, it's, it's wild. The fact that, holy shit, oh golly, uh, the, we're going to be fighting uh, hyperinflation here with Bitcoin. Uh, if you're not already, please do. Grab a sip of coffee again. The trip took a turn after dinner one night when the van had been uh, shepherding Spanos around the capital, came to a halt and other cars pulled up. 
Spanos and Yaminas were told to get in. Yaminas had since fled Venezuela after, uh, after a falling out with Maduro over the crypto initiative. During his visit, Spanos had presented uh, on cryptocurrency at the country's central bank. Now he was whisked to a military complex inside the city. The purpose of this surprise detour did not become clear to Spanos until he was led into a room where he recognized the country's leftist, anti-American president Maduro, lounging on a couch. Maduro recognized Spanos. To the Venezuelan president, the Venezuelan president had seen Spanos in a documentary on Netflix, Banking on Bitcoin. Um, I'm going to pause. You imagine... If you're Spanos and, and you're telling the story, I, what a crazy ass story, right? To, to to be first and foremost in Venezuela, and you know during this time, I don't know if you guys remember from back in the days in the rebellion when we were talking about, you know, the coup that was going on down there in in Venezuela, uh, Maduro <clears throat> just sitting there lounging on a couch and wants to talk to you about uh, banking and Bitcoin, like crazy. Maduro praised Spanos activism, showed off his vintage Chevrolet Camaro, and roped several of his cabinet ministers into a conversation about cryptocurrency. It was not the sort of treatment that Spanos had been used to at home, where cryptocurrency beliefs were mostly celebrated amongst them. Boy, sorry guys. Where cryptocurrency believers were mostly celebrated amongst themselves. And you know, I'll tell you right now, that crowd has grown, but it's still celebrated. Um, Bitcoin is still celebrated amongst itself. There's not a lot of other people out there that are uh, that are all celebrating. All right, so we're down to the maybe the second to the last uh, subtitle here. This is uh, crypto's elder statesman. So let's go. Despite crypto, I God, boy, despite crypto's growing real world cachet, uh, the the Persistent mystery of Nakamoto's identity made it a movement without a founder. For his final act in public life, Paul was drafted into the role of crypto elder statesman and feted as the movement's confabs. In one memorable episode in early 2018, he spoke at Satoshi at at the Satoshi Roundtable, a private gathering of Bitcoin enthusiasts near Cancun, Mexico, where he was mobbed by admirers. If you guys have never been around Ron Paul, he's always mobbed by admirers. People just love the guy. I can't say that for a lot of the other um, congressmen, senators, uh, and and people in politics. I've I've never, I've never seen it um, outside of these revolutionary circles, so to speak. The former congressman had been invited by a longtime follower. The event's organizer, Bruce Fenton. Fenton's support for Paul had drawn him into a broader liberty movement, as supporters call it. It was through that movement that he first heard of Bitcoin in the summer of 2012 at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, the libertarian answer to Burning Man in in northern New Hampshire. At Porkfest, Fenton had learned about Bitcoin from its original evangelist, Eric Voorhees. Fenton launched himself into the movement, going on to sever to, to, to serve as executive director of the nonprofit Bitcoin Foundation, the closest thing the decentralized network had to a governing body. Voorhees, who also had a hand uh, to pay homage in Mexico, he had first met Paul at the 2011 campaign fundraiser at a farmhouse in New Hampshire, where Paul signed his copy of the Austrian school economist Murray Rothbard's Man, Economy, and State. Not long after, Voorhees launched himself into, um, let's see, into a series between Bitcoin ventures, including the creation of Satoshi Dice, a Bitcoin-based gambling game that claims to have accounted for the majority of the transactions conducted in the first several years of the network. At a prior cryptocurrency gathering, Voorhees tried to help Paul set up his own Bitcoin wallet app, only to learn that the former congressman only used his iPhone for calls and never used it, uh, never used its app store. Paul isn't immune to his generation's discomfort with new technology, though his accolades have spent hours expounding on its virtues to him. The 86-year-old remains mystified by many of the specifics of crypto, like the process of mining 
new Bitcoin through the computational guessing game. To me, it sounds like you're on an Easter egg hunt and the whole idea of storing your savings in something I can't see. So I, I'm going to pause here to, I don't know, to, to paint Ron Paul as a guy that is afraid of technology, has a discomfort with technology at, you know, 86 years old. I, I think this is probably one of the slimiest things you could possibly do. This guy is, I mean, Ron's got just a, a fantastic mind, especially at this age. Um, boy, I mean, and that's the thing is, do I want him to be president of the United States? No, you're dealing with other things at that age. Um, but at the same time, I'm going to tell you, uh, this man, in terms of if he wanted to pour his time into you know, going down the infinite, you know, uh, mountain ranges and rabbit holes of Bitcoin. He definitely, I mean, would have no problem whatsoever. I don't think, I think he's just doing some, um, things in his later years. Uh, and he's, he's set, you know what I mean? Like the guy doesn't need, uh, to use his iPhone for other things. And then he's made it. Like he's, he's not trying to be the best on Twitter or, or, or trying to trend or any of that kind of stuff. The guy built a revolution. Those of us who are in it, you know, sometimes some of us are 40 plus years old now and we've got all the tools with Bitcoin to go out, not only end the fed, but now introduce the next paradigm of economic change in Austrian theory, which I think is probably one of the things that is really exciting to Ron Paul. And I think he absolutely understands it. Back to the article. At the Satoshi Roundtable in Mexico, Voorhees was struck by the first night's entertainment, Puddle's Pity Party, a lanky, melancholy clown whose act quickly veered from humorous to bleak. As Voorhees watched the elderly physician take in this particular performance, he reflected on the surreal confluence of forces colliding down at the bottom of the libertarian rabbit hole. Bitcoin, Ron Paul, and a seven-foot-tall crying clown, Voorhees mused, all in one place. Yeah, that's, a, that's another slap, right? Like, that's another slap. Like, we're, they're, the, the clown, Ron Paul, and Bitcoin are all, they're all clowning? Is that what... Is that where we're going here, Politico? All right. Everything he ever said was true. And you're looking at the hyperinflation that's hitting now. Unbelievable to be blind to this. All right. The next subtitle, Pursuing Power. Four years later, the radicals vying to pry money away from the state control are poised to leave behind the realm of bizarre sideshows and crash the main event. Washington, they believe, will finally be forced to reckon with their ideas. Indeed, as the total value of cryptocurrencies has grown to nearly two trillion, nation states have been forced to pay serious attention to the technology. I'm going to stop right here. What you guys have seen since 2019 is the floundering of central banks and governments and industries that all exist because of dirty fucking fiat. All of them. They have no answer to this. They have no answer to Bitcoin. Cryptocurrency being cryptocurrency, I... I ugh. You know, like it's not the same thing. If there was $2 trillion all in Bitcoin, I think you're probably looking at about $100,000 per Bitcoin. That's right. When, I think it was like when Bitcoin hit about uh, 50000 uh per coin. That's right around the point where uh, I think we were at a, a trillion dollar market cap. So when... We understand there's $2 trillion in this space, right? And, and a lot of these other um, cryptos are going to fail and they're going to move over to Bitcoin and Bitcoin's going to be the last one standing. This is going to be huge. Absolutely monstrous. You imagine, I mean, like we've been talking about $100,000, the $100,000 mark for a while. It's not 
unfathomable um, that as people get tired of this government and tired of their 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 savings and their money being evaporated, um, to see this asymmetric asset that is Bitcoin, it's property, it's yours, it's it's you know your keys, it's your Bitcoin. This they are not only being forced, they are they they have no solution, they have nothing. In, you know, up their sleeve to preserve their power and everything that they do in terms of printing money, locking people down, locking people out of their bank accounts, pushing for war, making war, pushing sanctions. Every time they turn and they move, this Python that is Bitcoin is crushing them. It's killing them. They don't know what to do. They have no idea what to do. They're talking about CBDCs. Do you know how fast people are going to run away from CBDCs? Do you know how fast people will riot when they start getting locked out of their bank accounts and they have guns in America? Like that's you want to understand why you know Biden and all of these people are talking about guns. And I'll tell you right now, I think a lot of what's going on in terms of the the shootings lately is exactly because they are finding people and they're staging events or they're leaning on people to do something and then, uh, or, or finding mentally ill people, mentally ill people to carry them out. Like this isn't, this isn't a stretch. They've done it over and over and over in history. Um, you know, I mean, just a couple of years ago when the FBI was plotting to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, the Michigan governor, like who was behind that? That was the FBI. That was an FBI plot. They do that kind of shit to try to entrap people all the time. It's crazy. All right, back to the article. That success has also inspired renewed interest in the Austrian school economics in the same online spaces where cryptocurrency thrives and fiat money backed by government Ditka has become a dirty word. Yeah, it is a dirty word. It's it's always been a dirty thing. And that's where the real criminals transact. The the murderers, the thieves, the genocidal maniacs all deal in fiat. Period. The resurgence is exemplified by the Bitcoin Standard, a 2018 book that argues for a Bitcoin-based global monetary order and has become widely read among blockchain enthusiasts. The book's author, Safadin Amos, a brash young Austrian school economist based in Beirut, in it, he goes after John Maynard Keynes, the father of mainstream Keynesian economics, which favors government intervention to an economic, uh, boy, to emulate, oh boy, I'm going to, I'm going to look this one up guys. Like I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be, uh, that person that fakes this one because I am, I am clueless as to what this word is. Uh, ameliorate. Oh, ameliorate, uh, make something bad or unsatisfactory better. Sorry guys. That was, uh, that's the first time I think I've ever read that word. Um, so he's going to fix the economic booms and busts in this searing, uh, in searing personal terms. So, all right, let's stop. John Maynard Keynes, who this guy is obviously uh, glowing over, right? Um, he is he's juxtaposing South Amos, an Austrian uh, school economist, versus John Maynard Keynes. John Maynard Keynes never had a fucking job, and he was a goddamn pedophile. Like, the guy was a dirtbag. And the, and, and the idea that they were going to fix the economic booms with John Maynard Keynes, look at, look at where we're at. Every time they put a Band-Aid on it, you know, you've got you've to eventually deal with it. These crackheads um, are trying to, to smoke their way through their addiction, which I don't know. Um, I don't know if that's even possible. Uh, I, I know if you maybe you drink too much of one type of... Um, liquor or alcohol when you're when you're young and stupid maybe you don't ever want to deal with that but you'll sometimes you'll find another one um these guys boy uh i don't think they could quit fiat if they wanted to a lot of them are too deep and too blind to understand what austrian economics is and safo dinamos i'll tell you right now after 
meeting that man last week. That guy is awesome. Super, super nice guy. Um, I tell you, I should have got my book signed. I should have done that. I did not. I'm going to regret that, I think. Maybe I'll see him next year. Anyway, Keynes famously declared, in the long run, we are all dead. To argue for actions that address immediate economic distress, the book paints him as a pedophile whose libertine lifestyle was reflected in the economic ideas that discount long-term consequences. <laughs> I love it. I, you know, that's the thing is like, I forgot where it was in this this whole article and um, to to have Saladin almost echo the fact that uh, John Maynard Keynes was a fucking child molester. Like, what a what a douchebag. Oh, love it. <clears throat> that is just one element of Amos's radical societal critique. He blamed Keynesian economics for the breakdown of the family as well as the promotion of cheap grains and industrial waste oils over animal fat in Western diets and for funding apocalyptic hysterical climate change. That was in quotes. Um, it's true. You know, this, this, this high time preference, like right now we got to spend money. We can't slow money down. This is all Austrian or all Keynesian, right? If you slow Keynesian spending in an economy, what you do is you crash the economy. You, you go into stagnation, you can go into recession. You can obviously go into, into depressions as well. That's what Keynesianism is. It's borrowing from the future to pay for the day. And if you stop doing that, or if you slow it down, there are major, major consequences. That's Keynesianism. It's, it's you know, in, in that, that uh, borrowing from tomorrow to pay for the day, you know, that's where, you know, when you have these corporations with bean counters get involved, what happens? It's all about the fucking bean counters. It's all about, you know, this idea that, you know, the, the people who are in charge want year over year profits. They want year over year growth. And the people who, you know, push those cultures, you know, push people to find shortcuts. The, the artisan is gone. The master carpenters gone. The, the people that create really solid pieces of work gone. It's all, it's, it's, it's all for a vanishing worth of a dollar. It is all for bottom lines. It is all for, you know, the, the investors. It's not for the craft. It's not for the service. Austrian is Austrian economics where real value and really low time preference breeds a different culture. Putting off today for tomorrow, saving today for tomorrow, going without today for tomorrow. You have to first do the work and then, and only then, can you rightfully benefit from that work. That is not Keynesian. Keynesian turns that all on its head and that's why you have the decay of Western society. The decay of Western society is absolutely 100% pushed by Keynesian economics. And that third party overreach, borrowing from tomorrow to pay for today. Man, in the story of the grasshopper and the ants, real simple. The ants are the Austrians and the grasshoppers are the Keynesians. Super, super simple. Anyway, back to, back to the article. Despite his extreme views, Amos is helping the Austrian school economics gain a real-world foothold in Washington, too. Loomis has been known to tote a copy of the Bitcoin standard with her around the Capitol, a totem of her newfound role as Washington's top crypto evangelist. Oh, boy. <clears throat> so what he's talking about is Cynthia Loomis. Cynthia Loomis is uh, the the senator out of uh, Wyoming. I'll tell you, um, you know, and I, I, I don't mean this as so much. I Like, I'm not doing this to be mean, but Cynthia Loomis has a lot to learn still about Bitcoin and uh, you know, to see her on stage down at the Bitcoin conference, 
um, it was it was disappointing. And, you know, for me to say that, like, listen, Tyler Lindholm is a guy I consider a, a friend, you know, a, a really smart individual in the space that's done some really good things. And I think he's working. I think he's working extremely hard on somebody who is um, a good bit older uh, in terms of Cynthia Loomis. And, you know, it, is she talking about it? Yes. So I think the fact that he's got a senator talking about this um, I think there's a lot to learn in terms of her understanding of it. The fact that she thinks that Washington can help um, adopt Bitcoin and because of all of the, the different regulatory um, bureaucracy they have up there. Like Bitcoin doesn't care about any of that bullshit. It doesn't. It doesn't care about DC. It doesn't care about DC's definitions. It doesn't care, you know, whether they're trying to put it into a securities which it's not, um, type of, uh, definition or, uh, commodity or property. Like they don't, it doesn't care. And I think that's the hubris, right? Is like Bitcoin doesn't give a shit about what governments are going to try to do with it. It's just, it is what it is. I told you every, everybody comes to this thing the same way and everybody has to abide by its constitution, its code, and they cannot break it or they're done. All right, back to the article. Not long after she wrangled with Lindholm in Tampa, her daughter and son-in-law convinced her to buy her first Bitcoin, which led her to the works of Hayek, a taste of the Austrian school. After jumping from House to Senate last year, Loomis made a name for herself as the chamber's most ardent Bitcoin advocate with an assist from Lindholm. After serving as a Paul delegate, Lindholm was elected to the Wyoming House of Representatives, eventually rising to the position of majority whip. From that perch, he oversaw much of the recent legislative push that has made Wyoming the most crypto-friendly jurisdiction in the country. After losing a primary challenge in 2020, he was hired by Loomis to work for her in the Senate. There, he helps guide crypto policy as his boss' office works on legislation meant to enshrine crypto's cryptocurrencies place in American life. And see, that's the thing is, oh my God. Like the Tyler's a Bitcoiner, man. Like I I'm gonna tell you right now. Tyler's a Bitcoiner. That's it. Like all this other crypto noise, like that's also not it. Meanwhile, a crop of pro crypto candidates is running for Congress this year, many of them influenced by Paul, Austrian economics or both. In Arizona, Blake Masters, who supported Paul's 2008 presidential bid, is running for the Senate with the backing of billionaire Bitcoin enthusiast Peter Thiel, who had been Paul's most significant funder. Fenton, whose journey down the Ron Paul rabbit hole led him to relocate to New, uh, to New Hampshire under the auspicious uh, under the auspices of the Libertarian Free State Project, announced last month that he was running for a Republican nomination for Senate in the state. Fenton sees Bitcoin not only as a fulfillment of Ron Paul's revolution, but the American one too. Quote, it's one of the most disruptive things in history, he said. It's a political, it's as political as George Washington. Uh, <laughs> George Washington was a political monster. Um, yeah, like, go read uh, the Anti-Federalist. Yeah, the... The, the man that was going to be put in charge of the coup. Uh, yeah, he was, he was somewhat political. And um, I know he, he talked about despising parties, but here's the thing is uh, George Washington in history ushered in the coup, which was centralization of all of the states. Like he was political. Let's see. Victory in sight. Indeed, Paul's followers sense they are on the verge of a once-in-a-century opportunity to fulfill their monetary vision. Um, no. No. This is this is evolution. This is... We're not going back. This isn't once-in-a-century opportunity. This is a change in an evolution in the human species. I don't know if people really understand that. The last Bitcoin isn't going to be mined until 2140. So we're, we're well outside of a century, no matter what. And that 
that the, the change that's going to happen in that amount of time, holy shit. Once in a century, no, no. We're once in an, in an epic, an epoch, I don't know, whichever. <laughs> However you uh, define that word. This is, man, I'll tell you right now. Um, let's see. When, when they first started putting power into you know the average human lives, that's pretty significant. The internet, that was pretty significant. This is probably bigger than both of them combined by multitudes what this is going to empower people like you know what i've talked about in the past like man if we could just get people to see what their passion is so that they work their entire lives through passion for whatever it is they want to do for whatever gets them out of bed in the morning whatever gives them hope whatever makes them happy whatever drives them to get up before the sun comes up and crush it until the wee hours of the morning where they can barely hold their eyelids open. Those are the people that are going to change the world. And this monetary vision, this coming of a really, really rare decentralized money is going to give people that escape hatch and that way out to flourish as a human species. I don't think most people understand where we're going. Like, here's the thing is you can kind of have an idea, but you have no idea. Like I, even, even I don't have an idea of where we're headed with all this kind of stuff in terms of the potential of the human species. It, I hope it's amazing. I hope it is absolutely the most phenomenal good uh that i don't know you know it's 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 that it's the hope it's that dream of real freedom of real independence of being left alone if you're a good person golly to say that out loud it just shows you just absolutely how enslaved we've been i'm excited i'm I'll get back to it. This year, inflation, a perennial concern of the Austrian school. Yeah, uh, it, it should be because you're robbing people. Has reached levels not seen since the 1980s, forcing the Fed to abandon its earlier assurances that the phenomenon, <laughs> phenomenon was transitory. Yeah, I think we've blown that out of the water. In recent weeks, the Biden administration has issued a much anticipated executive order instructing federal agencies to study cryptocurrency. Democrat uh, Kristen Gillibrand of New York has revealed that she is working with Loomis on a bipartisan framework for regulating crypto. Crypto doesn't care. None of this shit cares. Bitcoin definitely doesn't care about your regulatory bipartisan fucking framework. What a bunch of hacks. And Russia's invasion of Ukraine, along with the West's sanctions, heavy response has thrust the structure of the international monetary system into the spotlight, sparking financial world chatter about a realignment. You guys are so behind. You, you are literally, I don't know, um, you're, you guys are a decade behind. Minimum. Minimum. Not this audience. No, Politico and these tone-deaf idiots, um, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the regime, the banks, the propaganda machines, they are a decade behind us, ladies and gents. A decade. Minimum. Some of them haven't even started down this path. How much? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sitting here smiling my ass off. Because I, I don't think I've said that out loud. To have, you know, kind of that realization that, oh boy, yeah, you guys don't know what you don't know. And you're a decade behind this, the best people in this space. And I'm going to tell you, as I've said before, politicians being dumb as shit. Um, I don't think a lot of them have the brain power to understand this. It's going to push them out of the space one way or another. And one much discussed note, former Federal Reserve official uh, Zoltan Sor, um, 
those are now a credit Seuss, wrote that the invasion has has precipitated the birth of a new world monetary order. The note predicts a weakened, a weakening dollar, a revival of gold, and a probable role for Bitcoin. The view remains in the minority, and the dream of taking monetary power away from the government remains a distant one. The Fed, like central banks around the world, is studying ways to incorporate blockchain technology into their own fiat money system, raising the prospect that in the end, crypto will only further empower Paul's nemesis. Um, that's the thing, right? Is like the Fed, fiat by decree, centralization, like, man, the cat's out of the bag, people. Nobody is, I mean... I say nobody. This Bitcoin community that is the biggest community in the space for blockchain, like they're not going anywhere and they are just gaining speed and wealth and power and um, boy, golly, full display here, uh, the, the hubris of Politico. In fact, Paul himself remains unsold on the technology. Crypto, quote, Crypto becomes more plausible because of what our government has done to the money, end quote, he said. But I don't think the final verdict is in about cryptocurrencies. For Paul, though, the fact that they are making it mainstream to question the dollar system and the role of the Federal Reserve amounts to a late-breaking victory over the central powers he has long campaigned against. He relishes this victory even though cryptocurrency still strikes him the same way. He has long struck much of the public as kind of nutty. Ah, man. There's one last sentence, and maybe I should just go ahead and rip off the Band-Aid. Quote, it's something I can't even see, he said. I want to hold it in my hand, and that bewilders me. I, I think these are... You know, um, I think this is just one of the biggest pieces of shit article in terms of, you know, taking on Ron Paul in this time and in this space as, you know, an older man. And I think Ben Schreckinger is an absolute asshole. He doesn't understand it. He definitely doesn't understand Austrian economics. You see how he talks about it. You see, you know, um, how he kind of dismisses everything and, and then obviously at the end of the day is still on that train, you know, like if it's not something that you can touch, then it's not real money and he, and he makes, you know, Ron out to be this person that can't comprehend hard assets. It's foolish. Ron Paul obviously understands Austrian economics probably better than 99.999 something percent of the population. And I am positive, absolutely positive that he understands Bitcoin, not crypto, Bitcoin in terms of its saleability. The fact that it is saleable over time, space, scales, and proof of work. I'm pretty sure Ron Paul understands that. Now, to throw everything together at the end into a cryptocurrency, right? Yes, maybe he is fairly skeptical about cryptos. That it, it's it's not one and the same. And for you know this douchebag to to kind of say you know it strikes the same way he has long struck the public as nutty. Man, nutty or not, Ron Paul, he was fucking right. He has been right for 50 damn years. Nutty. <laughs> what a shitty way to, to, to try to make a point. Oh, yeah, he's just an old man with some radical ideas. Man, all of his ideas... If nutty ideas are the ideas that are right, 
It tells you everything you need to know about the system. It's why the fuckers over at Twitter are scared out of their mind right now. It's because they cannot compete in the free market of ideas. They're scared to death. They're children. This is how children react. They forcefully shut people up that they disagree with. Whether they hit them in the mouth, they close their ears, they say la 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 la, whatever. This man is a child. And I think most people in this space are children with their understanding of freedom and independence and liberty and currency. What a fucking asshole. I got to tell you, man, like I am, I am so not impressed. I would love to have a conversation. If anybody knows, um, Schreckenberg, man, maybe this be a good time to reach out to this dude. And I know like I, maybe I should be trying to kill him with kindness, but you know, when you go after Ron Paul, the guy that has been right over and over and over again, and is still just the nicest damn human being that you could possibly ever meet. I mean, Ben, what a, what a sad sack of shit, dude. Ben Schreckinger, Schrecking, Schreckinger. Oh, yeah. Go let him know. He's on Twitter. Let's see. What is his, uh, this, if, if I can pull up his link, I'll tell you guys what it is. Uh, no, that's wrong. Sorry. I'll pull it up later. Maybe I'll link it in my account and you guys can let him know what a, uh, what an idiot he is. But at any rate, um, I thought this was, I thought this was just one of those articles where I needed to come in and kind of talk about it a little bit. And, um, and beat up on this idiot that thought he could come in and, and take some swipes at Ron Paul. We are in the Bitcoin revolution, ladies and gentlemen. And I maybe some of you guys are sick of hearing me about it, and I and I wish you you know well. That's that's fine. I am absolutely laser focused. This is a vehicle, and you know I, I've compared it to a Corvette, but I don't think it's that. You know, it is, you know Corvettes are super sexy and amazing and all that kind of stuff. This is more of a utility vehicle. Um, you know, I'm reminded of these giant bulldozers, these, what they call a, a D nine. It's a caterpillar. It's a giant armored, um, you know, machine that absolutely just kind of pushes over anything in its path. It's not real fast. It's definitely not sexy, but it gets the job done. And I got to tell you, like when I see now and now know the community personally, I can't help it guys. This is, this is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to push. I have been asked, you know, uh, several times, you know, how do libertarianism, how does libertarian, how does libertarianism or libertarians and Bitcoin you know, fit together or how does Bitcoin fit into libertarianism? And I'm going to tell you right now that is square peg round hole. Bitcoin is everything, everybody in, and I mean it like it doesn't care. Everybody's orange, right? Everybody, you may not know it yet, but you, you're going to be orange. This is, this is a phenomenon that in, you know, when you look at Venn diagrams, everything fits in this except fiat except cryptocurrency, and that shit will die off. This is a mission. This is our vehicle. When we've talked about, you know, quote unquote, I don't know, destroying the Fed, this is what destroys the Fed. It's what they don't have an answer to. Taking power away from D.C., from the state, and righting the wrongs where we've had peaceful people attacked, caged, killed, by thugs with badges on because our, because our currencies have been destroyed. This is the answer. The wars overseas that enrich, you know, just the fucking worst people on earth. This is the answer. And if you've seen it, I mean, I'm, I'm running up along 50 something minutes now. If you've seen the response in Canada, in Ukraine, 
and other places around the world where people are in this community and they are fleeing totalitarianism. This community can reach out right now and send millions of dollars in Bitcoin, right? Lots of sats. Three, four, five, 12, 15, 20 Bitcoin we can send around the world the people to help others escape. What you're looking at is a free market solution to combating the fucking murderers, thieves, bankers, MIC around the world. We've never had such a thing. We have never had a tool that they can't touch, that they can't see. Well, I guess they can see it. They really, they don't understand it. They can't stop it. To be able to be a, you know, an outside force, a people's money that they can't stop providing solutions in those areas. You've got proof, proof of concept in terms of solutions for charity. And everybody's like, well, what are you going to do without the government? You know, who's going to take care of the poor? Who's going to take care of the downtrodden? Who's going to do that? Well, here's what's not going to happen. This is like that John Galt moment. The producers, the innovators, the people who work their asses off, those people get to keep whatever the fuck they want to keep. You want to keep your money? Cool. You want to give it to charity? Cool. What's going to happen is if you're an able-bodied person, you're going to have a much harder time trying to take from everybody else. That is the grifters and the politically connected. They're all the same. They're all living off of everybody who's actually a producer, who's an innovator, who goes out of their, you know, every day and just gets after it. I mean, if you're sick of people tired, sick and tired of people living off of you, if you're sick and tired of seeing your money pushed to the worst people on earth, every time you stack a sat, you're rebelling. Every time you buy Bitcoin, you are becoming part of the revolution. This is the peaceful way out. This is everything that I, damn near everything we ever wanted it to be. Slowly but surely, we are going to grind it down and it will become nothing more than dust. The Federal Reserve, the, the rest of the, the fiat currencies around the world, they're all going to die because of this. So if you're here for that, if you're here for that mission to kill the Fed and to free people, we got a long, long way to go together. We got a lot of damn work to do, but at least there's hope. At least you can see the light as it's coming to fruition and you're early. I know Bitcoin's like 40 something thousand. You're early. Wait till it's a hundred. Wait till it's a million, two million of Bitcoin. Most millionaires will not own even a third of a Bitcoin, ladies and gents. You're early. And over time, that money is going to appreciate. Learn, 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 learn. Thank you guys for being with me. Maybe another show later. I don't know. We'll see. Um, we'll see how my back's doing and all that fun stuff. But outside of that, uh, thank you guys for being with me. Thank you guys for coming down, um, this hole with me. Thanks for getting into the, uh, the bulldozer and just helping us, you know, wreck the establishment. It is going to be a really interesting year. Um, especially with a, a governor run here, man, it is going to be absolutely amazing. But, uh, I hope you guys have a great weekend, probably get back into Bitcoin is not democratic, finish up that series next week. And then I think we're going to start 
with some interviews um, with the Bitcoin community, man. Introduce you guys to a lot of my new friends um, and people that are doing gigantic things in the space so that you guys can understand everything from uh, the different wallets and security to mining uh, and, and where we're headed, you know, who these people are and how to get in contact with them. And if you're looking for jobs in this space, you know, there's a lot of jobs out there. You can go to bitcoinerjobs.com and, um, you know, especially if you're in the tech space, you're an engineer or something like that, man, they, they are desperate. They need people. And, uh, I imagine they pay pretty good. So until next week, ladies and gents, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.